Can everybody welcome everybody to episode 47 of the Whiskey and Watches podcast? And we have, uh, we're, we're kind of going back and having all of our, our favorites from earlier episodes back. We have our buddy Mike Stockton uh, from Fratello Watches joining us again. So, Mike, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Glad to be back. Yeah. No, it's, uh, I know we've all, uh, we've stayed in touch since you've been, uh, since you recorded with us last time. And, uh, you know, it's, it's been, it's been fun getting to know you even more off air. Um, and uh, it's, it's fun to have you back. I think we got a pretty fun episode talking about a couple things that you may or may not have had a hand in um, that, that Fratello has done. And then, um, you know, kind of some of the stuff that we've enjoyed as, as far as releases from this year, and then maybe get into what we think some trends could be for next year. Um, but as, as we always start uh, with a wrist check and a drink check, Mike, what are you wearing and what are you drinking? So... First off, yeah, great, great to be back here, and it, it has been fun chatting with um, with you since the the last podcast. And this is this is fun to kind of end the year here, um, doing another episode with with both yourself and Buzz. Um, I think Evan must be afraid because he's not <laughs> been on uh, either one uh, of the two episodes now, yeah. but. He's actually we'll traveling this weekend, so yeah, we'll, we'll get, he's still going to stitch it together for us, though. That's we got a pretty good gig there with him. <laughs> oh, that is a good deal. Having he's having learned do all the work. how to do that, <laughs> I, I just learned how to do that the other week, and good on you guys for for <laughs> for, for farming that out. So, yeah. so I am wearing a um, I'm wearing my 1989 Rolex Explorer 1016 today. So I. Um, this this one is a so this is really like the last year that they made this watch before they drifted into the 14270 and this watch I bought boy I guess like a year or two after I moved to to Germany and I negotiated back and forth forever with a guy in Italy who kind of wanted to sell it kind of didn't and it was expensive and he worked with me finally and in the end it was a really good uh thing that I bought because it it came with everything and it's in beautiful condition. And I just had it serviced. It wasn't hacking anymore, which is kind of weird. I was a little worried (laughs) and uh, it turned out to be like a little metal, uh, the little hacking lever just needed to be replaced, but um, the watch was serviced and it's running really well. And um, yeah, it's for some reason kind of a darling of, of, of a lot of collectors. eye, let's say, so drinking wise, I'm drinking something interesting. I'm drinking what is called uh legend. I don't know if you guys have seen this. This is a, um, it is a whiskey that was, um, I, I guess, um, Centauri bought, um, beam a few years back. Right. And they did this sort of Japan slash, uh, Kentucky, um, bourbon and it, it's it's made in kentucky because it's a bourbon and yet it's got some um inspiration or some some work done by the chief blender at suntory um along with uh fred no so it's a 47 percent kentucky straight bourbon partially finished in wine and sherry casks so interesting i i I was at Lisbon airport, I think early in the year and I saw it sitting there and, uh, I took a, took a punt on it and yeah, it's good. But I, I, I would say if you had the chance to try it, cause you guys can get out to restaurants there, um, give it a whirl. It's different. Um, and I think it's available over there, I guess. Yeah. That sounds interesting. I mean, I, 
had my first Japanese whiskey at Spangler's suggestion earlier in the year. And a lot of the stuff that they, they do is, is phenomenal. So to have a, mm. have a, the, the, but the one that I had tasted more like a scotch um, just without the terrible aftertaste at times. So, you know, they, they seem to do whiskey really well and to get a collab between such a big name or between two of the biggest names in, in whiskey with beam and Suntory, which I guess are now obviously affiliated. That definitely sounds interesting. I'll have to see if we can find some of that and, and uh, give it a try. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it, it, it's worth trying. I mean, it is a bourbon, so it's just got some slightly different notes. But anyhow. Yeah. Buzzy, what have you got? Sweet. So to accommodate uh, the whole uh, Deutschland Cincinnati connection here, we're, <laughs> we're taping a little earlier than normal. Uh, so I am just finishing up. I, I had a minuscule splash of my beloved Costco whiskey. That's nice. right. That's also an impressive pedigree, right? Absolutely. Not quite Suntory and Beam. Actually, we don't even know whose it is because it's Kirkland Best. <laughs> and uh, it's still delicious any time of the day. That's I heard important. it was Pappy Van Winkle that sort of fell over the border. It might, it <laughs> might be. Could be. Some people say that, yeah. Um, (laughs) But it's going to mostly be a Diet Coke and Watches podcast for for the Buzzman today. Fully understandable. Fully understandable. (laughs) Uh, So on my wrist is the Albany Ama Diver in Bathurst Blue. And we Mm. had uh, Brett Williams on episode 42 with us. This will be my last day with it. I'm shipping it out to the next reviewer today. So Godspeed to this piece. It's a a great, colorful, skin diver style watch. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's one of the few times that I've seen blue, navy blue, turquoise, and white all used in like a harmonious style it's it's pretty uh pretty neat to see in person um i'll have my review uh up on uh, zeit's watches here pretty soon nice that's, that's what i'm wearing yeah, that was uh that was we we've we've kind of joked about the trend of blue watches which i know we'll get to later but that i can say one the the black mother of pearl dial that he did that we didn't get a chance to see I think is is far and away probably the neatest one of the neatest dials I've seen attempted this year, but then two that blue because of the gradation in it and because of the fact that it starts almost like a turquoise in the middle and goes out to black uh, a very very deep navy it's not the the I, I didn't react to what I saw that one to oh another blue dive watch this no this one it's a looker um, from and it's it's not like your typical you know standard navy I know Unimatic and Messina just came out with uh, one that was it's another blue dive watch okay uh, the 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 Albany is definitely definitely not that in that colorway so uh, yeah it, that was uh, that was a fun one to have in um, it was my first experience with the beads of, beads of rice bracelet too and. I okay. see why everybody likes them. They're very They're comfy. comfy, right? Yeah, yeah, very comfy. So, uh, yeah. yeah, that one that one was a pretty cool piece. I guess I get to bring it home, and I'll start with a drink. Um, I since since we did push off, you know, we we didn't we we always catch up with our guests a little bit to kind of talk about uh, what we're going to record. So uh, it is afternoon at least. So I am killing my bottle of Basil Hayden's. There wasn't that much left, although. Mm-hmm. 
it looked like there was there was less left in the bottle before I got it in my glass. So I'm, I'm going to slowly work through that. Uh, yeah, this yeah, that's a good pour there. I had more ice in it earlier uh, and I've been sipping on it a little bit. And I, I, before you joined us, Mike, I poured it and then like Buzz saw my eyes bug. I was like, that looked like there was less of it when it was in the bottle. <laughs> Very so, surprised um, face. Yeah. Someone might yeah, be taking was, a nap during the uh, afternoon uh, games. I, yeah. Hope that hope the children nap too. If not, I'll be I'll be fine. No, it's it's really not that much, and I don't know that I'll finish it by the time we're done. It'll be my whole afternoon beverage. Um, so that's uh, Basil Hayden's. It's it's one of the uh, bourbons that I like because I'm a big fan of rye, and I don't know all the different ryes, but I do like a good rye Manhattan because it takes on the sweet vermouth a little bit better. Um, and it is a bourbon, but it has a little bit more uh, rye in the mash bill, a little bit less corn, so it still meets the standards to be a Kentucky bourbon not a rye, but it has a little bit more of that rye flavor to it, which is why I really like it. Um, but that is the end of that bottle. So at some point I will be uh, snagging another one here. Um, I do have to go get my, uh, every year at Christmas, I get my barber here uh, in Cincinnati. Um, I go to Salzano's downtown. He's in my office building. I haven't been to the office building, but I've been to see Guido a couple of times during COVID once uh, they open the barbershops back up. And uh, I have a tradition of getting him a nice big bottle of Crown Royal, which is one of his favorites. Okay. So I got to go. I got a haircut appointment later this week and uh, older son is going with me because his hair is insanely long at this point. And uh, I got to get my nice big bottle of, uh, of crown Royal for Guido. So I'll be out, probably pick up another bottle of Basil Hayden's or something else while I'm out uh, later today. But on my wrist, uh, it should come as no surprise that I am wearing the <laughs> Fratello limited edition Oris big crown pointer date, uh, nice. which is the oxblood dial uh, with the gilt um, minute track gilt hands and um, bronze case. Uh, I think this arrived on Monday. I, it, it seems like I've had it longer because I've been wearing it almost every day. Um, but it's uh, it's absolutely fantastic. Uh, you guys absolutely, absolutely crushed this. And um, yeah, I think that's probably going to be the first topic we talk about with you, Mike. So, um, you know, one, thank you for uh, letting us, uh, at least letting me see these before it came out because I knew as soon as I was like, well, I'm going to be buying, I'm going to be buying that one. <laughs> um, and my wife saw it and she's like, yeah, you're going to be buying that. So, which it was one of the few times where there wasn't really much arguing. It was when I joked with you, I still needed board approval to make that purchase. I had already secured it and didn't, it wasn't formally written down. So I didn't really know. She's like, well, you're buying the Oris, right? I was like, Oh, we're already past. I am. I am. Yes, I am. (laughs) Uh, But why don't we talk a little bit about, um, Let's go back uh, a couple of years and talk about your experience with with the modification you did with your, you know, piece unique Oris that you've got and and what that experience was like, and then how you guys decided to approach uh, this new one that came out uh, on December first. Sure. Yeah. And, and first off, absolutely. Thank you for for buying one, and and I'm really happy that you like it so much. And I know one of. Uh, both of your friends has another one in Cincinnati there as well, which is really cool that we've got two of them floating around the natty and yep. <laughs> uh, that's, it's pretty neat. So we'll see how they patina differently. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. See if elevation changes or anything are different, you know? Yeah, but, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah. So, so going back a couple years, you know, we, we were at Basel world and Oris has, 
well, traditionally I had a really large booth and, and kind of a nice setup. You know, it was sort of like a lounge inside with these nice wood tables. You'd sit down and they had these sort of old style incandescent bulbs hanging down with these these yellow bulbs. And you'd sit there and grab a beer and, and bring out the watches and check them out. And at that stage, I have to say we were, we were just then beginning to talk about doing something with them, by the way, which is kind of funny. It was in the same meeting that we, <laughs> we started talking about that, but they, they showed us at that point, the, um, the 40 millimeter steel, um, big crown, uh, pointer date. And they had just come out with the, the oxblood dial with that in a, in a steel case, which was available with a kind of a beads of rice style bracelet. And even though I think it was the year before they had come out with the 80th anniversary, 40 millimeter, uh, version in bronze with a, what I like to call it like a chalkboard green dial. Um, you know, I, I still wanted to see it cause I hadn't really put it on my wrist. I, I feel like it didn't debut at Basel or something. So I hadn't seen it yet. And I had these two watches laying out on the table next to each other. And I thought, Hmm, you know, I, I always had a thing for, you know, whether it's like dark, dark colored leather or, um, uh, just kind of that, those fall colors. Um, I grew up in South Florida, but for some reason, you know, having gone, gone up to school up North, I, I finally got exposed to, to more season than just hot. And <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of enjoyed the fact that, you know, you can go out and buy different clothing other than t-shirt and shorts and, uh, and, and, I don't know, like something, something putting these two watches together. I just thought, boy, that, that bronze case would look really, really cool with that oxblood dial because that, that bronze case is going to change over time. I mean, you can always make it bright and sort of rose goldish if, if you uh, polish it off, but as it darkens, you know, the, the, the listeners can't see this, but like buzz, you're sitting in front of a, a pretty traditional looking uh, bureau there with, um, looks like brass fittings on it and, and it's up next to wood that does have a bit of a, of a burgundy tone to it, a stain. And it got me thinking of those kinds of things. And so I started talking to our, um, our rep, uh, that we deal with Heiss and, uh, he handles Netherlands and he's a super cool guy. I mean, all the people at Oris, by the way, I'm, I'm sure you've spoken to like VJ and, uh, oh, yeah. VJ is a great and, guy. Yeah, funny, funny thing. He went to Lehigh where I went and actually graduated with a guy that I'm good friends with who went to Lehigh like 10 years before me. So it's oh, a funny. very small world. Yeah, it really is. And, um, <laughs> and so um, Heiss is the kind of the the uh, equivalent there in Netherlands. And I was talking to him and I was like, hey, I said, I'd really like that watch. But I said, I'd really like it with the burgundy. And of course, when you got a couple beers flowing at Basel, he's like, oh, yeah, he's like, I'm sure we can do that. And and he, and he came back to me and he's like, Mike, he's like, they're not going to want to sell you that watch with uh, the other dial in it. That's just not how these companies work. You know, I mean, watch companies are pretty, um, they, they, they keep their records in order and yeah, well, they keep things running like a Swiss watch. Right. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> but you know, like, like I always tell people, um, you know, there, there are some perks in, in being sort of behind the velvet rope. And one of them was saying, all right, well, if I can't do that, would you sell me the watch with the green dial? And could I purchase a, an oxblood dial? And needless to say, they just kind of 
made it happen that I got a dial and the watch, um, came out of the Netherlands and I had it shipped directly to the watchmaker, uh, Paul, we use in the Netherlands who services a lot of our vintage pieces and Rolex and stuff. And I just asked him if he would swap the dial for me. And so we did. And, um, it arrived, um, yeah, a week later or something. It was a pretty easy switch for him. And I opened it up and I thought, Oh my gosh, this is exactly what I wanted. You know, sometimes things are better in your head and yeah. it really, it really worked. And I started, I, I think I, I waited like a week to post it on Instagram because we were a little bit concerned that Oris was going to get ticked off. And, um, in the end we decided, all right, I'm going to post it. And the reception was pretty overwhelming. People were like, how'd you do that? Like, how can I, how can I do this? Do I really have to buy two watches? And, you know, then I wrote an article about it just saying how it sort of went against my ODD of, of modifying things. And I did it anyway. And yeah, people were really, really enthused about it. And at that point we were still kind of messing around with Oris on, what we wanted to do. And, and we'd looked at a number of different dial choices, colors and things like that. Um, talked about it. Um, everything from like tuxedo dials to, to other things, which I, th- I still think would have been cool too. But um, we landed on this because the reception was good and people were like, wow, if Oris would make that, I would buy it. So that was really what drove us to doing something in the same vein, but we obviously wanted to, to make some changes and, and mm-hmm. those are kind of what you see there. Oh yeah. No, so, it's, it's, there are, there are subtle differences that when you look at them and you notice you're like, Oh yeah, no, that was a really good choice. Um, and I, I, I think my favorite part is the, uh, is the guilt minute track that, that yeah. I think just makes the rest of it pop. Yeah. So, so it's kind of interesting. Like when we were, um, kind of before the show, we were talking about the process and first off, it's always amazing to me, like when you're dealing with a a larger watch company and I know that Oris isn't the size of an Omega or a Rolex or whatever, but they're still, you know, a big company with a, a big footprint and a wide range of watches. But, you know, when you start talking about making changes to an existing model, Um, we as collectors, of course, have all these wonderful ideas about, you know, oh, we want acrylic this, we want, you know, you know, blah, blah, blah. And when you start talking about making changes from the running model, you know, you're talking months and months on top of, of something. And then, oh, by the way, they actually want to sell a watch that's going to work and not, you know, let water in or break or Mm. cause a service nightmare or whatever. And then, you know, they got to carry spare parts if it's truly different. So, you know, when you're working through one of these collaborations, I think the key is to try to make um, significant changes, but also to do it where, you know, the watch isn't going to come out in five years. Right. So, you know, but, but we did look at a huge number of different um, choices on the dial and you'd be like, it's like some days it was like one of those games, like you play with your kids where it's like four of the same picture and you have to find what's different because you're like, wait a sec, uh, that looks really, then you're like, aha, that's what's different about it. So there was a lot of that type of detail. And then when you're talking about things like the strap and all, um, it was the same level of detail, the stitching color, the style of the strap itself. And then because it came with two straps, it it was that for everything. And then there was the packaging, you know, then you get into the case back, you got into how many of these are we going to do? All these, all these are choices where, 
yeah, you're, you're in the end kind of making a, a bet on whether people are going to like what it is that you create. And I think that all of us, no matter what we're into, whether it's watches or your just normal day at work, when you're working on something for a long time, you start to become convinced that it's really good because you're involved with it, right? But mm-hmm. then when it finally hits the hits the general public or maybe your boss, if it's a presentation you're working on, you have to be ready for people to go, ooh, or, oh, yeah, I like that. You know, so you never really know. You never really know. Yeah, so... But it was a team effort at Fratello. I mean, a lot of us had input. We kind of went back and forth digitally on things. And, of course, there were a lot of discussions that RJ held between, you know, with with he and Oris on on how we would do this. You saw that 250 of them were in our shop and 50 went to the Oris boutiques. I think the boutiques really wanted the opportunity to carry this watch. They felt like, yeah, they'd been asked about my watch before. Mm-hmm. So they, they clearly wanted the opportunity to sell it. You know, they've spent a lot of money on some, some really beautiful boutiques in, um, in different cities. So why wouldn't they want to watch that, that people could actually buy uh, right. inside? Yeah, no, I mean the, and I didn't even think about all of this stuff because the strap really, I think really ties this all together. I know you guys call it a, a taupe. It's oddly enough. Um, I, I really like the color so much so that my wife's car is almost the exact same. Like it, oh, wow. it oddly enough, it, it matches almost exactly like, and, and, and technically my wife's car is a gray, but it looks like a brownish bronze color, even though the the technical name from Ford is gray, stone gray metallic or something like that. And I know for you guys, it's taupe, it's a taupe leather, but like it, it goes gray in some lights. And I'm talking, this is the leather strap. It's gray. It's a little bit brown. It's, the the red the red backing on it I think is a nice touch uh, super cool right it really is yeah and yeah. I I really appreciate the uh, inclusion of a of a nylon a, essentially a NATO style strap with bronze bronze keepers because I'm gonna want to wear this watch in the summer and I'm not gonna want to be putting leather on in the summer um, yeah because, absolutely not yeah Cincinnati gets hot and humid and there's not a breeze and Leather does not last long if you uh, if you wear it in those conditions. Yeah, uh, it just so. gets nasty, right? So. It gets really gross. Yeah, I made that mistake with my fast rider, uh, the Tudor that I have, the the black chronograph. It's got a leather strap, and I was like, I need a NATO or a rubber band for this because I wore it on a walk in the spring on a hot day, and I came back and I was like, something doesn't smell good, and I was like, oh, it's it's my watch strap. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like it's, it, I mean, it, it did. It, it smelt like shoes that had gone to the gym. So yeah. leather in the summer is not great. So you guys took care of that with the, uh, with the strap and I, I you know, the, the strap change tool, everything, the whole package is fantastic. I like that the box is maroon is what or burgundy oxblood, any other number of names you want to call that color. It's, it's fantastic. And it's got the older Oris logo on there with the blue and the red shield. It's, it's just a really cool package. I'm, I'm really glad I was able to, to snag one. Um, also the other thing I have to ask, I'm trying to remember with the other big crown pointer dates, are the, are the numerals loomed on those? I don't think they are. No, I, I don't believe they are. That's another cool touch. More loom is always fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I think, um, I, I think it came out really well. I really do. And, and, and again, I'm, I'm really glad you like it. Um, the strap, you know, is probably the one thing that people have asked a little bit about uh, because the one that I have on mine is very simple with like a two a saddle stitch up top. Mm-hmm. But I think this strap uh, that you have um, in person is fantastic. I actually really like it. Um, 
And then some people asked about a bronze case, which these were people who, you know, didn't know the backstory of the watch. And they're like, oh, but bronze. And, and you know, I, I'm not one who needs to pile up 100 bronze watches. I don't. Yeah, But for me personally, I mean, I have a, a metallurgy background and I just have worked with copper more than I have steel. So it's a bit near and dear to me. And when the when bronze watches started to come out, yeah, I thought they were a little kitschy, but ultimately I wanted one, but I wanted one that I wanted, not just to get one. Yeah. And, and this was that watch for me. So, um, and then on top of it all, um, whether it's the 36 millimeter or the 40 millimeter, I, I tell people if they've never tried on one of these watches, it's just a really damn good, satisfying watch to wear. I mean, if you're a person who likes a, kind of like a 36 millimeter oyster case. This watch kind of has that same comfortable pair of jeans type feel to it. I, I don't know how to put it without, you know, over, over embellishing. Cause I, I don't, I don't mean to do that, but it's just a, just a comfortable watch. Uh, it, yeah. It really is. And it's funny because Buzz and I have talked about this with some of the other Orises we've had in, they do mid cases exceptionally well. And mm-hmm. I don't think this watch is under 10 millimeters. It could be, I don't own a set of calipers because it's not really, I mean, obviously if a watch is overly thick, it'd be like, yeah, I can only wear it in certain settings. But, you know, as long as the design is is right and it fits comfortably, it's fine. This watch feels like it's less than 10 millimeters thick. I don't know if it actually is, but it's, it's, the, it's the very thin mid case. The way it sits on my wrist, and it, it could just be my wrist as well, but the case back sinks in a little bit. So you don't really, it doesn't sit like a hockey puck by any means, again, because it's a very thin watch. And then they use their domed sapphire crystals so well. It it just, it wears thinner than however thick it is. I don't know how thick it is, but to me, it feels like one of the thinnest watches I own. And it may still be one of the thinnest watches I own. But again, I don't really, I don't really know, nor do I care because like you said, it's so comfortable. It, It wears so extremely well and it's got such a low profile on the wrist which is, I know, some, something that people really like. It, it 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 fits so well, and I think it's because they do their mid case design exceptionally. Like that, it's yeah. the same thing with the, the that that chronograph but, that we have or had. Yeah, but it's it's seven. It's almost seventeen millimeters thick. It does not feel like a seventeen millimeter thick watch when you're wearing it. Yeah, I I've got um, Evan. If you're listening to this, get the review up <laughs> on the be. website. Damn it. Um, <laughs> he had finals. I, 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 so I have some pictures that I took to go with my review that still isn't up on the website, but is complete. Um, comparing that, that Divers 65 Chrono side by side with my SKX 009. And it, it really illustrates. Um, how they they use that that domed um, crystal is so much of the height. The very outside edges of the um, of the bezel actually are a touch lower uh, to to the uh, to the case than than on the SKX. Um, it actually it sits really compactly, and then also they have more thickness in the case back, which for some reason seems to, to just sink into the, the wrist a little bit more. So there's, there's all these subtle touches that all come together to make something that if you're only looking at numbers would seem not very wearable, but to make it 
downright comfortable. Well, and on this one, I like how you guys sunk. I don't know if this was is different from the other one, but it's it's the the coin edge on the bezel like sits into the lugs just a little bit. It's it, you know it, it could have it could have been very lazily just put on top, but the design of having it slightly in, and I know they do it on the um, PPX, which is another one of the watches that they make that I really like. It's just it's that the fact that they carved out a little bit of the bezel in the mid case to sink the, the the or sorry not the lugs in the mid case to sink the bezel in just reduces you know just another little bit of height that it just makes it wear so much better yeah and it, it also when you're looking on the side because it's like you say it's it's carved out a little bit um it, it adds um well you know you're not dealing with a with an inexpensive watch because that that takes money to do that right exactly um, it's an extra extra step um yeah i i think you know that one um i bought my wife a, a 65 a couple couple few years back with the with the bronze bezel on the mm-hmm. sort of the yeah. riveted oyster bracelet and that's the other thing oris does really well their bracelets and i don't know like with the strap because if you talk about how it wears maybe it's how they choose where to put their spring bar holes but whether it's a strap or whether it's the bracelet, you know, for me with a small wrist, they drape really well. They drape mm-hmm. like a vintage watch where as a lot of new watches, the, the lug to lug looks okay. But if you look at the actual um, end length that meets the case on a lot of watches, they extend outward another two, three millimeters. It's like a modern oyster case for me wears very differently than a, than a, older one because the bracelet doesn't fall right down to a 90 degree. Um, and Oris still has that. So I think, yeah, they, they, they make some really great watches. I've, I've also said, and okay, with, with this watch, it's obvious that I'm, I'm, I'm biased, but I think their color choices for dials are just super, super cool. You know, they do yeah. things differently than anybody else. Um, they really pick some, some, some unique colors. I mean, let's just take a look at the limited editions they released this year. So, so your your limited edition uh, Big Crown was gorgeous. They had the Roberto Clemente, mm, yes, uh, one also, which is another great one, which was gorgeous. Yeah, and then the um, the Carries Fort uh, Reef, but mm-hmm. there was another uh, color Palooza there, you know, with blues and kind of coralish. Uh, color and then the uh, hanging uh, river. Mm. I mean, they, yeah, all of those LEs just do really great things with the color, and you don't even need to to buy an LE to to get something colorful from them because their normal catalog has has enough great options too. But Absolutely. you're right; it's a company that that's not afraid. Um, to to do stuff that's different with color, and I think they just released a uh, another diver sixty five with the um, the brat or the bronze midlink in the in the ribbon oyster, and it's got like that honey orange kind of gradient dial on it. That's I mean, it's really cool. Like it it almost looks you can tell that I, I think it's probably trying to go for a little bit of like the tropic submariner look not that it's a, a sub homage by any means but it's it's got that vintage kind of been worn out on the sun type of a dial that that's got that like orange that and it is it's a gradient and I, they do that extremely well that that hang one that buzz mentioned that aquas 
it's a green, but it's it starts in the middle as a, a brighter green and fades out to almost almost a black. It's a very deep, deep green around the uh, the hour markers. So they do a really good job of not just adding the splash of color, but you know, varying it, making it a little bit more subtle. You know, there's they do gradients really well. Uh, I really enjoyed the time we got to spend with the. Uh, um, this is going to be a little bit of an Oris thing. It, it kind of gets us into our next topic because we talked about colors you know, talking about some of the trends we've seen this year, but, you know, they really kind of encapsulate all of that and where we think things are going. Not only did they do a bunch of colors in some of their other ones, they've done some pretty awesome limited editions, obviously, including the Fratello one, but they also brought out something that was really kind of a swing for the fences with the caliber 400 that I think is kind of vaults them from where they are is, you know, they've always said that they are an industrial affordable, good Swiss watch company that, that, Aquas Caliber 400 with that new movement with all of those features. I think that sets some folks who would be looking for a tutor or maybe an entry-level Omega to say, I need to look at that new Aquas because it, it's got all of the things that you should be looking for from a movement technology perspective. Um, yeah. It really kind of did a lot of different things this year. Yeah. And I, and I, and obviously that watch is more expensive than, the Aquas without, um, mm-hmm. I guess it's what, probably another thousand or so or something. Something like um, that. Yeah. But you've got what, is it a 10 year warranty on the movement? I think, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, certainly speaks to the technology they're using the, the, the lack of need to lubricate. Um, so I think, yeah, absolutely. You know, Oris has has been on this climb upwards in terms of of credibility and really being thought of as a as a, an absolute alternative to something like a Tudor, and certainly certainly to something like a Tag Heuer. And oh yeah, you know, now bringing in uh, their own movement, you know, there are a lot of folks who that is a, that is a difference maker for them in terms mm-hmm. of a purchase. And the fact that they didn't just come out with a kind of your EDA sort of clone, um, but they brought in some technology to reduce um, or to, you know, reduce the amount of servicing. I think, it, I, I think it's pretty impressive. I, I did ask the question, well, I didn't ask the question of them, but I think in one of our internal chats with with Fratello, I was like, yeah, I would have liked to have seen a chronometer certified watch. I think that would have been pretty neat. But, you know, you're talking there another several hundred dollars of actual cost, right? So yeah. I think the question becomes uh, as to whether or not the market really demands it or not. Um, but I guess that's something that could always add anyhow. So, right. But it'll be interesting to see where that movement goes because, you know, some of these limited edition pieces they make in the Aqua series, if they can use this movement as a base, some of those are already, you know, a little more premium priced anyway. So I think it becomes an easier sell anyhow. Um, and then mm-hmm. the movement starts to gain some traction and people start talking about it. Is it working? Is it reliable? Those types of things. So, but it's a big move for them and it's cool. I think it really is. And they're one of those brands, you know, I, I always talk to people about other brands you like to work with and talk to, and they're brands that you feel like you have to cover because, yeah, they're newsmakers. And Oris is one of those brands we like to cover. They're really nice to work with. They're responsive. They're friendly. They like to have a good time. And I'm glad to see them continuing, you know, to do things. Oh, yeah. And they they invest in a lot of 
I think very, um, you know, very good charitable causes as well. So they really do. And they're, they, they seem to be somebody who cares about their collector base or, or folks who are enthusiasts mm-hmm. as well, because I, I think since COVID has happened or started the whole pandemic, we've had two red bars with them. So not only have we had VJ on the podcast, but then shortly after that, we had a red bar group kind of zoom call with him and our sales rep who covers our area. And then we've had, we had another one here recently in November. So like we've, they, they've been ones who have been more than, more than willing and more than, than open to talking about what they're doing, having us ask questions and just kind of foster a good, good dialogue. You know, we had like 15 people on with their rep. And then, you know, I think at the first one, we had 20 or so folks on with VJ and the, it, it was, it was great. It's great that they, they seem not only invested in what they're doing, but they're invested in the folks who are interested in what they're doing, which is great. Yeah. And he's, he's one who I, I would say really got it early in terms of, you know, dealing with online, dealing with, um, you know, not just print, um, mm-hmm. the red bar, uh, situation. Cause he's, I guess, living in New York or Jersey. And, um, so, uh, he, he's, he's definitely someone who has, has helped them, I think immensely in, in, in the U S I mean, we knew who Oris was 10 or 15 years ago, but they have really become popular now in the U S and yeah, the, you see this with some brands and certainly with Oris, it helps that they're independent. Uh, yes. They can, they can really make decisions and it's not going up to a board that, you know, owns 10 brands or something like that. So they can be more nimble. They can be more in touch. Um, but just because they can doesn't mean that they will be. But right. there are some brands who could do that too who aren't, uh, but they are. So <laughs> it's nice. It, it, I, I'm always excited to see see what they're going to do um, the, the following year. So Yeah. Well, we, we've talked about a lot of things that they've done this year. And you obviously see a lot more pieces on an annual basis than we do, um, having just gotten our start in this in this whole. I don't even really think of us as watch media, even though you could technically say that we have a podcast. We review watches. We technically are. Um, but, you know, th- there have been a lot of cool things that have come out and a lot of things that I don't want to say have been misses, but there, there have definitely been some trends this year. So why don't we talk about some of, you know, you've been on a couple of podcasts or you've done a couple of podcasts recently with Balaj about some of the things that you've liked this year. Why don't we talk a little bit about what I would almost say is the year of the dive watch, the year of the blue watch and the year of the integrated bracelet sport watch, and just kind of see who did it really well. And then I think we'll end up and end the conversation here in a little bit with what we think next year is going to bring um, as far as trade shows, releases, what people may or may not do. So what, what, what obviously have you seen this year that has, it's been something you you know thought has gone really well for some brands, some new releases, some trends that you wouldn't mind seeing continue, and then we'll we'll go into some of the misses. Yeah, so you know we we just released another podcast I think yesterday, and and we spoke um, about bracelets, and I I really think that in the last year we've seen a return to good bracelets from a lot of companies, you know. Folks like Omega, Breitling, um, and then you go high end to, to a company like Moser with their Streamliner. And 
these are really, really nice bracelets. Um, I, I completely diverge from you guys in terms of, uh, I, I know you don't like the old oyster bracelets with their stamped clasps. <laughs> I happen to love them <laughs> because they're lightweight. They're, they're really comfy. Um, but I, I get the comment that it, you know, a stamped piece of sheet stainless steel, um, on a six, seven, eight, ten thousand $10,000 watch doesn't necessarily, didn't necessarily feel right even 10 years ago, but regardless, um, what, what I saw companies do over the last five, six years was to just create these really, you know, thick clasps and just kind of, they, they, they weren't elegant bracelets I'm sure the quality was good. And I'm sure that, um, you know, they weren't inexpensive and, and yeah, bracelets does have a functional, um, as a functional purpose and it, it can't break. Right. So yeah, if you look at these bracelets from the sixties, we all wax uh, poetic about that because they're clanky and, and kind of neat. They're not the strongest things in the world. In a lot of cases we leave them in the, uh, we leave them in the drawer because we're afraid we're going to break them. But you know, companies, I, I always felt like spent a lot of time on the watch and the watch head and the dial and everything else and the movement. And then the bracelet was sort of a, a secondary thing, especially the clasp. But we saw some really nice bracelets this year. So, and and maybe that sort of falls on your integrated uh, bracelet trend because that, that it's integrated. So it's really part of the whole yeah. system. Now. Um, and, 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 you know, like over the, the prior years, you know, the, the focus was really on aftermarket straps. I felt like were a huge, huge thing. And it's not that they're not anymore, but I think brands probably were like, Hey, you know, we're spending all this time making these watches with these bracelets and people are taking off as soon as we, (laughs) so maybe we ought to make those a little bit better. Right. So. Yeah. Buzzy and I are all always, we're big advocates. And I think Evan is too. If you can buy a watch on a bracelet, even if you don't necessarily like it right now, it's way easier to buy another strap than it is to buy that bracelet again. So um, we are we are definitely team bracelet over here. It, it's totally true. On the other hand, um, so like the Speedmaster Tintin that I mm-hmm. that I have, which I love that watch. I think within the first week, I took it off the bracelet, and I've never ever worn it on a bracelet <laughs> since then. I mean. I think I put it on the Forstner mesh, but mm-hmm. you know, I've never ever put it back on the original Speedmaster bracelet because I cannot, I, I just don't like it. I do not like, I don't like the way it looks. I don't like the clasp and uh, the clasp is like the entire size of my wrist. Yeah. Like the underside of my yeah. wrist. It, it's huge. It's just yeah. massive. So I'm with you to buy it, but I, I, especially on Seiko, sometimes I'm like, okay, well, I'll get the bracelet, but that sucker's coming right off. Yeah. You know? Like on the lower end. On the oh, right, completely. You know, completely. Our watches. So. Yeah. Um, so, so I'm with you there. Um, I, yeah. And we did talk about the year of the dive watch. Uh, but I, but I think, you know, this year felt like there were a lot of really good releases in the low end to, to $3,500, $4,000 range. It just felt like there was a lot of accessible stuff, which, I don't necessarily think was a response to COVID because nobody saw that coming, but right. it worked out. Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. So, so I think that was, that was a big thing. Um, and t- 
tons of collaborations this year. Okay, we just talked about our our uh, our Fratellorus, but it feels like now every week there's something coming out from somebody. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, definitely. I mean, Hodinkee's done several this year, um, and you know, obviously they not all of them have been watches, um, <laughs> but and not all of them have you been able to really tell the difference between that and the standard model. Um, and that's not a knock on the John Mayer G shock. I'm just, I have my Cassioke. I love it. It's a great, it's a great, you know, watch to wear. I, I'm not into the G shock rabbit hole to know what's different about that other than it's gray and there's some teal. Um, you, you, you but, had to explain the joke there, didn't you? I had a pun <laughs> all ready to go. I was just going to go, well, okay. well, that's a shock. Can, but you, no. can you give it to us? Uh, that's <laughs> Come on. Nice. nice. Uh, we're great on the dad news here. My only you're role. You're good for at least one of those every episode, aren't you? Well, that's really my only role on the podcast. I mean, I'm here to make jokes. <laughs> and drink Costco whiskey. <laughs> that's right. And I'm all out of Costco whiskey. <laughs> Who is the uh, who is the radio guy who's really famous who would always say, and that's the rest of the story? What's his name? Paul. Uh, I don't. Yeah, I don't know. I'm gonna have to look him up because I was thinking about that the other day, um, Buzz. Because I was like, "That's you." Like <laughs> you have, but you have this incredible voice for. Um, yeah, you, you sound. Paul or you could. Maybe at like 11, 11 p.m. or no, midnight, you know, when you're driving across uh, Ohio or West Virginia, let's say, you know, you're the person that somebody calls into for advice on relationships or something. <laughs> you would give these thoughtful pauses, I think, and then come up with something really insightful. I don't know. Maybe they would understand it. Maybe they wouldn't, but. You know. <laughs> I think you've got that kind of that kind of voice, yeah. <laughs> Appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, sounds sounds like a, a good way to go because I mean I've got the face for radio, so <laughs> it, it's well well suited. I see you now. That's not true That's not <laughs> at all. Uh, that was uh, Paul Harvey that you were Paul Harvey. Around. That's yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. That's funny. Well, I mean, so obviously the year of the dive watch, the year of the blue watch, um, although other brands have have done some different colors, including somebody who doesn't usually take that much of a risk in Rolex with all of their fun oyster perpetuals, um, which I saw one on a forum for listed for over 12. And I'm just like, come on, guys, is that's got this has got to go away at some point, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And and what's funny is okay, it was I guess two weeks ago down in uh Frankfurt, there's there are literally three Rolex ADs within a block and a half. Wow. So yeah, you have Bucher, Vempe, and I'm gonna get it wrong. I think it's Ruchenbeck. And um they I, I didn't look in the window at Bucher, but the other two had um some of those models in the window and they weren't all below 36 millimeters. So I think there was like a 36 millimeter in the Tiffany blue and then one in pink. And then I think there was a 40 millimeter in the green, if I'm not mistaken. So I don't understand, you know, if I went this week better go before uh, Wednesday before everything shuts down over here. But I, I think, um, 
Yeah, they have them. So I, I don't know. I, I didn't see an orange one, maybe a small orange one I saw. So I don't get it. This to me is just very much uh, FOMO type stuff. And I think it's ridiculous. I mean, actually, I, I, I looked at that 36 millimeter Tiffany one. I didn't pull it out or anything, but I looked at it a good while in the window and it, it's it's very nice looking. And I think for um, my wife or something, um, she, she really liked it when she saw the picture, she liked the pink one. Um, they, they look cool and they're, yeah, like I said, about 5,000. So you're getting a really nice watch. If you pick one of those up, I think if you, if, if that's what you're looking for, but to pay 12,000 is just, it's insane, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So it's ridiculous. It's funny because the, uh, amazing Technicolor Oyster Perpetual release this year had some colors that it, it, just made sense like that that tiffany blue that's that's a little bit aggressive as far as just normal dial colors for them but it looks good and makes sense and uh some of those colors like the orange uh it's just super aggressive and to me i wonder i mean is this like some sort of a flex that i can spend five grand on on a watch that has a ludicrous um ludicrous dial color and it, it's okay because well i've got it and i like it and i don't know i really don't know but some of them are just so in your face i i wonder if they're the oyster perpetual equivalent of go to hell pants you know? <laughs> yeah it's it's a it's it's really well said i think because Right. You're talking about wearing a watch that, okay, anything goes these days and and none of us are really in the office, but even if we were kind of anything goes, but that's certainly not a traditional choice. I mean, an orange diver, I guess kind of is. Yeah. Yeah. But not, not for like a, just a, an oyster perpetual. Right. And I think that it it almost feels like, you know, Rolex sort of knows better than all of us because they, they've, they've sort of realized that strangely, like in this year where aside from government support, everything should just be burning down right now. And for some reason, it, it feels like a lot of the watch industry has remained somewhat resilient yeah. and people are actually just doing these like crazy buys of things and sort of saying, well, I didn't travel here this year. So I've got that money. I'm going to buy something crazy. And I just want to feel good about buying something. And that's crazy kind of relatively yeah. speaking. Right. Well, I mean, so the uh, secondary market on, on explorers, I was looking recently in the 14, uh, 270. 270. They're yeah, going they're six grand. Yeah. Yeah. When be- These were like 4,000 just um, 12, 18 months ago. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It's no, it, it, it's nuts. And, and, and I'm, you know, coming back to these brightly dialed uh, oyster perpetuals, I like them. I think they're really cool. I mean, I, I think I saw all the colors except for the yellow and the silver dial um, in one of those windows. And I think they're neat, but I, I can also very much see those watches in a year's time, kind of like buying, you know, whatever loud fashion is today, sort of saying, okay, I'm going to go stick that on the on the shelf now because it felt like a good idea at the time, but 
yeah, it's really not that versatile. And I think you're, you're, you're the, the classic colors that they kept the silver dial, the black dial, the blue dial, um, the still, and the silver is almost like a champagne color too, which is really pretty. I think those are going to be the ones that are, if you bought one of those, and again, I'm not at all talking about resale, but I mean the size, whether you want the 36, the 40, 41 ish size that they've got, like those are going to be classic. Those could be your daily watch for forever. I don't know that some of the other colors are as classic. Um, I mean, I think the the light blue and the pink for for a woman, especially, yeah, very wearable, right? I mean, those are colors that maybe not every day, but I think it would definitely right. be in the uh, rotation of of uh, someone who has has a few watches, and certainly on a weekend or paired with whatever. But you know, the green, the yellow, and the orange strike me as really. I, I don't know. And, and I, I've like kind of tried to envision myself wearing one of those and kind of the orange one is I can sort of see it. Cause like I said, I, I've got a doxa of that color, but would I choose that to put on over something else? And I just don't know. I yeah. just don't think so. Well, and the, that, that orange is very, there's a lot of red in that orange, yes. which it is yeah, a red orange. It's like a coral color almost. Yeah. yeah. It's a, a real curveball to me because I adore orange doxes. I think they're awesome. I very much could see purchasing one in the future, but the the orange and, and that op is just very different. I, I would have to break out the the Crayola at, at least the sixty four box of crayons to find the the right color for that dial. Yeah. yeah. But I think you know you're gonna see um, the the style makers on Instagram flashing these things oh, for yeah. the next six to twelve months, and the, that will keep the hype up. And I I just hope that I, I'm happy that they came out with them because I think it was fun. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really hope people who want to buy them buy them because they want to buy them. And not because, you know, some doofus on Instagram is telling them how cool it looks with their Paisley shirt and a, you know, chartreuse jacket or something. I don't, yeah. I don't know, but, yeah. you know, made by some tailor in the back alley of you name the place. I, I don't know, but it just, it's a watch at the end of the day and it's a well-made watch and it's a watch that, you know, like you said, dial color aside could be the only watch you wear for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, I will be interested to see how they really do long-term. Yeah. But as we know with Rolex, you know, something that, something that doesn't do well ends up being something everybody wants 10 years from now. So don't, don't we all know that? Um, well, and the other, the other watch I want to talk about too, cause they came out with two new colorways in partnership with it's, it's Kelly Slater's company, right. With the sustainable, um, straps that they do with powder known yeah powder known yeah they they came out with two new versions of one of the watches that you picked up earlier in the year the uh, the new uh, super ocean uh it's the, hair, yeah. the, hair, the one with the the stadium bezel um yeah. the the two tone colorway yep like, I, I think that that watch and a lot of what breitling has done this year and i'm i'm not a breitling hater by any means but there are fewer watches in their catalog that really kind of speak to me 
that one is definitely one of them. The new Chronomats, especially the ones that are allegedly ladies' watches uh, that are absolutely fantastic that just came out. I think Breitling is definitely going in, a, in an interesting direction, and they've got a lot of really cool stuff that's come out this year, um, especially the the Super Ocean 57. <laughs> Yeah, they, they, they do. And, you know, I've had the good fortune just knowing, um, Fred watch Fred, mm-hmm. um, who's, who's quite tied into them, especially on the heritage, uh, related pieces. So I, I've had the opportunity to sit down with them on many occasions and they're another brand, uh, that's incredibly communicative and they reach out about, um, you know, with a lot of questions about, about different things. And they also take feedback and, you know, George Kern is a, I mean, he's an incredible, incredible marketer. Um, you know, he, he was at IWC before and very successful there. And he's really breathed new life into Breitling. I think that, you know, the most, the, the most obvious thing that has happened there is that, he has recognized their back catalog and done something with it. You know, these, these two faithful reissues, the Navitimer and then the 765 that Mm -hmm. came out really late last year are just tremendous watches. And then the super ocean heritage 57 is, is a little bit more of a modern update because it's a little larger than the original, but everything else he's done is, is pretty neat. And, you know, he's gone in also to, to some of these sustainability type um, directions, which I think is, you know, we can talk about, um, you know, how, how big a, an imprint the watch world has on sustainability. But, you know, the reality is that people are, are very interested in this stuff and, and I think they should be. So if you look at Outer Known with the straps that are made out of the fishing nets, I think people are interested in, and 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 the watches look good. That's the most important thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm with you. Like before he came aboard, um, I couldn't wear most of their watches. They're too big. They're kind of blingy and just not my style. And I think he's brought a a level of classiness, but yet still fun. Mm-hmm. So the watches aren't dry. Um, yeah, and these these latest um, 57s in, in partnership with Kelly Slater uh, are getting really, really good reception. So we saw them in Geneva at the, uh, Geneva watch days. They were in the showcase at the, uh, at the, uh, boutique at the Geneva or, uh, Breitling boutique and they weren't supposed to be. So <laughs> we actually got to see them and some people walked in that day and got to see them as well. And they really weren't supposed to be on sale yet. So they looked beautiful. I mean, we tried them on and stunning dial really stunning because it's kind of a a gray dial and i know they have one that's it's got a a gold bezel and i think that has gold it 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 pops oh my goodness that thing is it's phenomenal and then i think obviously the rainbow one was pretty neat and i know the folks here at richter and phillips they had a customer who special ordered one and he was really excited about that and uh, our buddy blake took some pictures of it to put on instagram because that was the only one they were going to get um and they had a special order he's like i have to take some pictures of this thing because it's so cool the way they did the the rainbow it's it's just enough color on that watch. It's not yeah. like it's a, a full on Rainbow Daytona where it's a total flex piece. It is more of a flex piece from them, but it's 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 much more subtle than other flex pieces. It was it was really neat to see. Yeah, they they, they did the black one and then they followed up with the blue one. And 
you know, when I was talking to the designer for, for the watch and they decided to do this, I mean, first off, he told me when they went and did the 57 um, and brought it forward, uh, their, their head designer, Sylvain, he's a young guy. He worked at BMW before in design. I mean, he's incredible to sit down with and truly passionate about, about watch design. And you also spend time, if you spend time with him, you also get a feel um, as to why some of the stuff, again, we as collectors like isn't doable. You're actually dealing with, you know, the weight of hands and different things and why, you know, physics actually comes into play in, in making a, a watch and you actually have to drive those hands around and things like that. So all this stuff goes back into the design. You have to you actually have to design a watch that can be made. Um, but the 57, he was really passionate about doing. And it was, it was challenging because it has an incredibly thin mid case as well. And it has this crazy bezel. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think that originally it was a bit controversial with Breitling and somehow it got made. And then there was this idea, okay, we're going to do this limited series of these rainbow dials and, and sort of see how it plays. And the reception to that was beyond what anyone would have thought there. I don't think that anyone really thought it was going to take off like it did, but they were gone immediately. They were gone immediately. And the same with the blue one afterwards. I mean, there, there are people I know who um, were really upset about missing out uh, on one day. They were kind of like, Oh, that's kind of neat. I'll think about it. Well, it was gone. So, and okay. I didn't go down that path. I could have ordered one in the beginning. I, I kind of knew it was coming and I really just wanted the standard black one. And I'm very happy I went that direction, but I was blown away that they went so fast. So good for them. Yeah. It's cool. I mean, they, they've got some pieces that have come out that have been, that have been really exciting this year. Um, so why don't we shift gears where we're, we just crested the hour mark. Um, why don't we shift gears to what we're going to, th- what we think about some of the trends are for next year. And I know when we were talking earlier, we talked a little bit about, you know, can shows like Basil or Watches and Wonders continue to draw folks? Um, and obviously, I don't know that the first half of 2021, you're even going to have very, very many large scale events in a lot of places worldwide until the vaccine is a little bit more readily available for the for the general public. I guess, what do you think? Do you think that there's going to be a trend away to more digital releases or do you think there's enough pent up demand that once we can finally have a big watch fair again, that everyone's going to go nuts for it? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. You know, we, we talk about how in the beginning of the pandemic, we were in a really tough place because you didn't have people going into offices to ship anything. And we were really having to write up watches that were, you know, press photo driven, which we really don't like to do. Mm-hmm. And then things loosened up and we, we, we get a lot of watches in front of us now, which is good. Um, so, so that part, I at least feel like that will continue. On the other hand, um, I do think, you know, there's this like weird window we've got here when everything is all clear, people are going to want to come together again. And there's going to be some place for, yeah, I don't, I don't know if it'll take on a Basil world or watches and wonders like it used to be, but I can certainly tell you that when we did the Geneva watch days, um, in, I think that was uh, September time frame, that was, that was fantastic. It was truly fantastic. And I, you know, we were saying that this is really the kind of format that, 
they should go for in the future. And if you guys think about, you know, New York, if you think about Paris or London or wherever, all these brands have invested in these incredible uh, boutiques. And most of them have, you know, some mezzanine floor that's completely outfitted with crazy furniture and a bar and all this kind of thing. You know, why not hold, you know, ha- have it rotate and and kind of every year do something in these big cities. You know, these big cities are far more equipped to handle people coming in by uh, airport with the hotels. I mean, Basel, I have to tell you, is kind of a dump. Yeah. I mean, it's <laughs> really not a great city. Um, and, you know, the hotels by and large in, in Basel are like, you know, they're old, they're brutally overpriced and it's just not, it's just not great. Um, so if I, if I thought about, you know, rotation every year to one of these big cities and make use of the boutiques, and then for those who don't have a boutique, they can, you know, rent a conference room in a hotel or something like that, which some brands did in Geneva, like the small brands, uh, it was great. And it was also really cool that we got to walk outside between appointments. Um, you know, otherwise you're stuffed into some, you know, conference center or, you know, whatever, whatever hall and you're under the, uh, you're under the lights all day long. This was really, it, it felt so much better and it felt so much more spaced out and I wasn't as exhausted by the end of the night. So, I'd like to see more of that. I, I always question, like when we went to Salon QP in London, why they just didn't do this stuff at the boutiques, you know, instead they rented out this incredibly expensive um, place, which is beautiful, but, you know, here are these brands showing up and less than one mile away, they've got a place that they're paying. I don't even know what type of rent every <laughs> month and yet they're going somewhere else. Right. Yeah. And, and paying for services and paying for drinks and all this kind of stuff when they could serve their own whiskey or whatever they want to in, in their own boutique. So, Well, and I mean, a lot of times these shows are, are very driven by press. It's, it's mostly a press thing. Um, but if you have these shows rotate to you know, your Londons or, or other population centers where they already have these boutiques, I think you're going to get more members of the actual public because uh, all mm-hmm. of those are, are large enough cities. You're going to get people who wouldn't necessarily make a weekend trip um, to attend in a different city, but they will go and, and swing by the event because it's it's in their area. Uh, so you, you might be able to get more um, attendance. Yeah, I I think so. And, you know, the, 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 the real big driver behind these, well, well, what started these shows back in the day with Basil is basically you, you brought in all your different distributors and your jewelers, and that's where they place their orders for the year. Mm. Yeah, so that's kind of like where you saw how your year was going to be. And it's more from that. I mean, they still bring in these, these large jewelers and talk about the year and, and get an idea about orders. But you're right. It is a lot of press. Um, and the one thing it misses is the public. Uh, when we were in Geneva, the, these boutiques were still open. They didn't necessarily have the embargo stuff downstairs, but in some cases, you know, we like I, I think we visited Panerai, and that day, you know, they debuted a few new watches. So we saw them there, but they were public. So actually, if you were public and you walked into the shop, 
you could see that new watch. And I think, yeah, it is about accessibility these days. You know, nobody really, you have to be because it's all, otherwise it's digital anyway, and everybody sees it. Right. So why not be able to see it in person? Um, and, and, and like, I, I mean, I just look at it just purely, you've got this asset in this ridiculously expensive boutique, use the heck out of it, you know, yeah. use it. Um, why not? So I, I think we'll see a bit of that. Uh, I, I really, I hope so because it was a really comfortable event and just far better than stuffing ourselves into some mammoth, uh, conference hall and, and rushing from, you know, booth to booth. It, it just, but let's see, let's see. I'm, I'm very interested, but I'm with you. I think, you know, watches and wonders was canceled for 2021. So you're right. There are going to be a lot of things that don't really come back until 2022. And, you know, oh, by the way, we got to figure out what the economy is going to look like after all this is is going on. So exactly. I mean, it's what are, what are people going to be interested in? So yeah, no, I, I think this year went better than I think a lot of brands probably expected. Um, you know, and, and we kind of talked about that a little bit. That you know, people went out and and spent spent some money in areas that they they normally wouldn't have because I don't know. I mean, for me, childcare wasn't a thing for a while. Like we we weren't. You know, we, we had some flexibility with our two little ones and we weren't paying for daycare, which and in daycare. the States is exorbitantly expensive, really expensive for two kids. Yeah. So it was like, wow, you know, you know, we're, we're lucky enough that we're both working from home, both still fully employed. And then this massive expense that we usually have on a monthly basis is gone. Um, so it, it, it led to some expenditures around the house to a couple of other things. Obviously I've added to the collection as any listener has, has heard, um, this year, uh, more so than I think I normally would. Um, you know, the couple pieces or piece that went out helped a lot of that as well. But I mean, it's, it's just one of those things where you're, it, it's kind of been a strange year for, for everyone. And, and th- I think things have, haven't been as bad as we thought they were going to be. They're still not as good as they could have been, but it's it's a weird kind of push pull on both sides of the balance sheet, if you will. Like, you know, obviously we're not going out and 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 not going out, not going on vacations, and, and you miss some of that R and R, and you miss some of those things. But at the same point, that's cash in your bank account, or that's cash that can go to other things, to improving your home, to getting a new vehicle, to buying seven or eight new watches, you know, things things like that. Um, yeah. And I think it, it also kind of makes me wonder too some of these brands have had some fairly successful launches, not on the heels of Basel world. I mean, if you look at the, t- like, let's be real. I like Tudor. I like a lot of what they're doing, but the black Bay 58 blue is a blue black Bay 58. And I get that it won a GPHG award, but like, it's a watch that's in a different color. And again, I'm not knocking it. This isn't a, this is just, this is to me a statement of fact. It's a beautiful watch. I have a regular yeah. black Bay, so I'm not necessarily in the market for a black Bay 58, but if that's your bag, that's fine. Um, but it's a blue watch. It's a, a trend that we've a, seen this year, yeah. but it was extremely successful. So, and it's, and it's not a cheap watch. I mean, it is not, I don't even want to say on the lower end. It's a, it's a, it's a relatively affordable luxury item at what, $3,500 or somewhere in there. Like it's, it, it's a great watch for that money. And it was extremely successful with the launch this year. So do you need to have a massive two-story booth at Basel World to sell out of all of your stock? I mean, obviously, anybody associated with Rolex knows they don't need to. They do it anyway, but they don't need to. Um, although, I guess they were pulling out this year, too, so, or after this year. So, I guess it, it's, it makes you wonder, do you need to invest in a big release like that 
in order for the pieces that you're selling to be successful? No, I, 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 I'm with you. And this is why I think, you know, use something like the boutiques just to, to give people the ability to hold these watches or come together, maybe create, you do create some forums or something around it, but yeah, the, the, there's no doubt about it, you know, with, with our world today, um, some of these CEOs, I mean, Kern is a good example, you know, you need to continue to innovate every month. You need to release something all the time because people, Unfortunately, these days they forget about stuff quickly. You know what was hot yesterday, uh, or, or yeah, is, is is sort of I wouldn't say forgotten, but you know they're looking for the next thing. Mm-hmm. And it's it's fashion at, at the end of the day in a lot of ways as well, right? Mm-hmm. So with clothing, I mean, clearly stuff comes out all the time, and I think that watches there there's an element of that. So we expect new things, and and you're you will see brands, I think, continue to to come away from using one point of the year as their release date. Um, maybe not Rolex. I don't know. Um, they've, they've only like released off cycle a couple times. I mean, I remember the, the James Cameron inspired uh, deep sea sea dweller was sort of off cycle. That was a bit of a wild card, but yeah, I, I, I mean, we always talk, you know, about some of these big brands about what are they going to do next year I mean, I thought it was strange with Tudor, you know, they came out with the, uh, the 58 in blue. And if you look historically, they did the, um, the blue one or the, the 58. And I think they came out with their GMT that year. Mm -hmm. So I was actually expecting another color GMT this year as well. I was like expecting a Coke or a, a root beer or something like that. So I still wonder whether they've got one of those you know, waiting for next year. I am, I am a big fan of the Coke colorway and our, our buddy Blake knows that um, specifically with the Rolex model. Although if, if Tudor came out with one, I feel like I, that might, that might save me, save me some money and, and I'd go that route. <laughs> but um, I'm a big fan of the red and black colorway, um, which I, I know we're, we're closing in on an hour and 15 and, but I would be remiss if we didn't talk about, one specific model that is that has been leaked, that is is near and dear to all the Fratelli, as I like to call you guys, since it, I think that's the, <laughs> the 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 correct plural. I, I always love putting an I at the end of something to denote a plural. So anytime I get an opportunity to, um, I disagree with all of those of you who think it should be octopuses. It is octopi. Fight me, octopi. octopi. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, there is a. Uh, I think there have been leaked images of a new Speedmaster, which I think we all knew was coming with a new movement. So, um, what do we uh, what do we think about that? How do we think that's going to do? And, and when do we think we'll see that? Yeah, I don't. I don't know. You know, Omega in the past. Um, they, they have done things early in the year, so who, who knows? But um, yeah, the, what, what was leaked was was shown a new Speedmaster using the thirty eight sixty one, which which debuted on those Apollo eleven fiftieth anniversary pieces, and it's been a great movement. Um, in in my experience, own, owning the, the uh, gold one, um, longer power reserve, it's chronometer certified, which. You know, if if it does go into this next Speedmaster, which the the leak showed that, that's the first time we'll get a uh, a serial production moon watch with a chronometer certification. And I think that you know, comparing a Speedmaster to a Daytona is 
it's only fair or, or an avid timer. It's only fair in the sense that those are sort of like three legendary chronographs. Right. And, but yet I think it's a thoughtful update to bring a chronometer certification there. Um, the other, the other leaks showed some, some slight dial changes and, and a little bit, bit more in the retro, um, direction on, on some, some dial choices, bezel choices and pusher. So I, I think, you know, no matter what they do, it's going to, it'll be successful because there are always people who are looking for a moon watch and, it's arguably one of those watches, just like Rolex with a Submariner. They don't have to do anything ever to it, but I think they should. You know, mm-hmm. they're they're known for technology and known for continuously uh, updating their pieces. So, if that's what comes, um, and hopefully uh, a bracelet that I like, then <laughs> that's going to be really exciting. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I uh, I don't own a Speedy yet, um, and it's always just kind of been one of the ones that has been to me at least it's one of those that I will own at some point. I don't know which version, um, but they always seem to be readily available. Um, and it's obviously something that has been serially produced since forever. It seems like, so it's just a matter of which one eventually speaks to me. Um, so we'll, we'll see, we'll see what comes out with that. Obviously, you know, I, I was really excited to kind of circle all the way back to what we talked about at the beginning, having VJ on and having, having them be kind of like the first, uh, one of the first big brands to reach out to us as a podcast was huge. And then getting to know you um, over the past, probably six or so months, this Oris made so much sense for me as my first Oris. Uh, just I'm, I'm more of a sentimental person. I like to have a meaning behind why I'm looking for something. Um, mm. So to have kind of the, the, you know, two folks who I've gotten to know a little bit better Oris being a brand that I've been attracted to and just, couldn't quite find the right piece. It, it made the decision very easy. And I think eventually I'll get there with a speedy. Um, it just hasn't been one where it's like, there's been, I mean, the, 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 the 1861 movement's a great movement and, and the, the, the Hesselite crystal, there's a lot to like about that piece. It's just, it's not like there's any pressure on that. You can always go and, and get a speedy. They're always there, <laughs> which is nice. It's nice. Yeah, you don't and, buy one. And- and and yeah, and I think that that's something that actually is uh, watch fans. We should we should actually applaud yes. that that we can go out and buy one of the best watches ever made. Yeah. without having to kiss the ring or you know <laughs> wait six months and um and hey they'll probably even give you a, a glass of champagne while you're waiting yeah. um <laughs> to check out which is cool um. But but I'm with you. It 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 uh, we've gotten so used to these days, uh, whether it's limited pieces or things like that, that it doesn't feel like there's a lot of pressure on it. Um, but what I can tell you is that you know if these updates to the Speedmaster, which again I've not seen anything, um, but if they if there are these updates, you know Omega today what they're making compared to what they were making even five six years ago, the finishing is tremendous and. I think that, you know, you'll have your people who say, ah, I want, I want the the one that they just discontinued and this and that, but I think the new one will be, will be a fantastic watch. And I, I enjoy wearing my Speedmasters. It's such a cool case. I mean, Evan, I know he, he's got one, right? Yes, so, right. Yeah. And they, they look good on whether it's a, Okay, like I said, I don't like the current bracelet, but they look good on a bracelet. They look good on a strap. They look good on a NATO. They look good pff, sitting on the desk. I mean, they, it's just a cool watch. It's just a cool watch. I'm, 
So. I'm holding out uh, for when SpaceX lands on the moon so I can get my Elon Musk uh, limited edition. <laughs> oh, yeah. 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 Is it well, guys, I, yeah, I really appreciate it. And um, really nice to talk to you, to you both again. And well, 2020 is going to draw to a close, right? So 2021 is... Well, I think we're all looking yeah. forward to we'll, it. We'll see what happens. I mean, it's it's a great time. We kind of joke. It's a great time to be a collector. There seems to be a lot of cool stuff coming out. It's a changing marketplace. It's an evolving marketplace, I think, in many good ways. And there's some trends that I think a lot of us like that are probably going to continue next year. So we're I'm, I'm really excited to see what the next year holds. And it's it's a good time to be to be in this space. 2021, I think we're all looking forward to it. It's a good time to be a collector. There's a lot of a lot of trends that are moving in a direction that I think are good. There's a lot more choices. Uh, there's still some watches that are a little bit difficult to come by, but you know, such is life. <laughs> Absolutely. But uh, Mike, we really appreciate you coming on again. It's it's always a pleasure uh, hanging out, texting a couple times a week, and about cars you know, general life, you know, new watches, things, things to look out for. And, uh, obviously we're, we're, we're always open to having you on again. Um, cause both of the conversations have been an absolute blast. So we really appreciate you taking the time and, uh, dealing with the time change to hang out with us over here, uh, stateside. Thank you guys. I really appreciate it. Have a, have a very safe and, uh, and healthy holiday. Thank you. You, you as well. Thank you so much. You